podcast. So bring your cup of joe, settle in and get ready for tips on dealing with stress, creating healthier relationships with others and dealing with the ups, downs and in-betweens of building a business and living life in a digital world. I'm your host Courtney Jones and thanks for tuning in. very protracted battle with um, my local Department of Labor, uh, the Colorado Department of Labor, and the Unemployment Insurance Office. And I have just, it's felt like it's just been so, such an aggressive push to, um, and As we talked a lot about, and there was a, a really great article um, CNN Business today was talking about just how so much of the workforce is uh, changing and changing so rapidly in a way that it looks like um, as like there's a shortfall of workers that is still persisting, even though the job numbers have gone up um, over the past two months. But um, according to government data that was released on Friday, the U.S. economy did add 531,000 jobs in October. And so it is stronger than in August and September, but they were hoping that those gains would actually have been higher. But their economists are starting to wonder, is these shortfalls of workers persist? Has the labor market changed for good? And if the answer is yes, then there are like huge ramifications for policymakers. And I think that because businesses are still struggling to attract and retain enough staff to keep up with an explosion of demand. And I think that there were some um, employers instituted some changes that they were hoping would um, boost those numbers, um, like they um, improve access to child care. It's been some things that we've seen um, reduce COVID-19 fears with this um, kind of forced um, vaccination kind of thing, even though they're seeing pushbacks on that as well. If, you're looking, if you see like the NYPD, um, Los Angeles County had issues with retaining um, a law enforcement officials so there's 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 still a lot of churn out there that's one of the things that um they're seeing has still remained a really big issue um the most recent month for which data is available is august but there was a record 4.3 million workers who quit their jobs and resignation and people that are just kind of turning their backs on business as usual um, employees have and um, it looks like like just this fall the number of people actively searching for jobs in September and October was just flat and um, and that's according to Indeed which is a job site and they polled like 5,000 people in the United States and I'm sure a lot of those were either workers from the site or who had applied through their site but definitely seeing just this flat um, flat line when it comes to people who are actively looking for jobs and 
that like I have been actively looking for jobs. I've been sending resumes out through Indeed a lot of the time and um, not getting even responses back. So there has been a lot of churn, but there's also a lot of um, on the employer side. There seems to be a lot of confusion about what they're actually seeking as well. And I think that a lot of what what they call the great resignation, I think a lot of that is coming from people who aren't interested in those kind of outdated, um, what I call the dinosaur mind. And it's very much what I've seen in, I've seen it across the board. I've worked with a contractor, uh, as a contractor, but I worked for the Department of um, um, Unemployment. I did that actually last summer at the beginning of the apocalypse and the beginning of the shutdown, but worked for um, unemployment, uh, processing claims. I worked for Medicaid. Um, and I do see that in the state and government offices, there seems there's very much what I call the dinosaur mind at play, where they're still holding on to. And a lot of times it's because these people have been in their same positions or similar ones for years and years and years. But they're still holding on to very outdated uh, methods and mindsets about the workforce and employees. And um, you see them scoff a lot of times at even... Um, Employers that attempt to meet the needs of employees, whether that's through wellness programs or, you know, um, increased paid time off or other things that kind of enhance the actual work that employees are doing. But you do see in these state and government offices, there's this scoffing, this very outdated way of looking at the workforce um, that feels like it's from the 80s and 90s, early 2000s. You know, I started working as a teenager in 1985. And... Um, Recent workforce, we have, especially like over the last 20 years with millennials flooding the marketplace, um, they work in a very different way. And I was reading an article, I think I actually shared it to my Twitter account, but I read an article the other day in which they were talking about, um, so in the article itself, the person had a friend who had switched jobs, um, realized kind of um, a couple of months into it that they it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. They were stretched very thin, um, a lot of other little pieces that were not fitting together, and they were thinking, perhaps I made a mistake, maybe I should start looking for another job. And they were kind of advised against that. They were saying, well, you know, you, you don't want to, um, you want to stay at a job at least two years. It looks bad if you don't stay at a job, you know, two years. And it's a, that to me is a very outdated way of thinking, especially with so many, like I said, millennials that have flooded the market, where it's kind of understood with millennials that they're probably not going to be in a position um, longer than three years at best. And that's if they're moving very quickly through the ranks. For the most part, they're going to give three, maybe maybe three good years, and then they're off to the next thing. So, um, and as someone like me who's a late career professional, um, at the other end of my career, um, that in some ways can be, uh, or it start, It used to be a foreign concept. Because like I said, when I started in the 80s working, that was very much the way that you thought you got, you got a good job because you want some benefits. Like, you know, and it was that kind of mindset where you're just drones in an office. Like, no one cares how you feel about your work. Um, it, that's one of the things that I've experienced a lot with the Department of Unemployment. It's very much a, well, who cares if you're satisfied in your job or if you like it, you 
need to get a job, any job. It doesn't matter if you're here because employers need bodies in seats. And it's very much this mindset where it's very um, employer-focused, but not necessarily with a, um, a level of empathy towards the actual employees that do the work. And it's sometimes, like I've seen with unemployment, it clashes a lot with the actual employers that are looking for um, employees. And I think that we're seeing a lot of that with, uh, with some of the, the, the churn that we're seeing out in the workforce. A lot of times that um, change through this whole lockdown and everything where people were able to shift their priorities. And I've talked to people with two income uh, families that are like, you know, we realized during all of this that we actually could survive on one income. You know, I know that there were a lot of articles and stuff during the lockdown. Parents were very frustrated. They wanted schools to open back up. They felt inadequate when it came to, like, the online schooling or trying to educate their children. But as things are shifting and changing, I've talked to people who either are at one end of the spectrum or another when they have children. And it's either that they are the the daycare or child care is not available or maybe the after-school programs are not available. So it's made it very difficult with the way that they have to work and go back out into the workplace, some feeling that they can't do that. And then there's also that other spectrum where it's like, you know, being home, setting up a new schedules and new routines because the children are around, you realize that it's you're, there's certain things that you're missing out on with your children and, whether, and, and the way that they're growing up because there's so much time that was spent in the workplace and a lot of times in unfulfilling jobs that you felt you had to go to because you gotta have a job and it's like and I think that I think what was the numbers it said that not only like I believe it was like in June and July of this year three million people left their jobs in August the last numbers that we had it was like 4.3 million but they also saw that over five million parents we're saying that they just did not have the ability, whether it was the access to daycare or whatever, like I mentioned before. So they were out of the workforce because of children. But what I thought was really, really interesting was that in the same period of time from like June until now, there have been 4.3 million new business applications. So people are not only saying, I want to shift the type of work that I'm doing, but people are shifting all around. Like, you know what? I realized how much time and effort and energy that I was putting into another company's business and helping them build theirs. And a lot of times they, they did not feel that their work was appreciated to the level where if they were working for themselves, that they would get a higher level of satisfaction. And so I thought that that was really, really interesting. And we're seeing in lower wage work, the wages are rising. McDonald's is trying to raise their minimum wage. You're seeing the lower wage jobs, wages are rising, especially like new options coming in with remote work and that sort of stuff. But inflation is also rising. And so it's interesting to see how that is balancing out in the workforce. The Federal Reserve Bank of uh, St. Louis, in their new research, found that the COVID-19 had pushed an estimated 3 million older workers to retire sooner than expected. Like the baby boomers were kind of forced to retire because of COVID, and then they're thinking, well, I don't even know if I want to go back. 
I think that it's really important, and that's what I was saying with that dinosaur mindset, with the unemployment. Some of that outdated dinosaur mind is what has kind of reinforced for people that they don't want to go back into the workforce into the same way. And especially, I think that the ones that are finding the hardest time filling those vacant spots are those companies that insist that who cares how you feel about your work, who cares if you feel appreciated, if you feel passionate about your work. It does doesn't matter because your work is not about you. Companies need bodies in the chairs. Second, I think that there's been a big resistance to that. And I, I, we talk a lot about the great resignation. There's these millions of people across America that are just leaving their jobs. But what's really motivating that? And what's next for those who are kind of turning their backs on the workplace? And I think employers are starting to take that to heart now. They're understanding that this is not just a fad. People, the longer they were away from the traditional way of working, they realized that there were other ways that work just as well. And it's like, so we're seeing a lot of increase in remote work. Especially with the the wages, a lot of what my podcast, my website, a lot a lot of my work and what I do is I've been a, a long time champion of uh, remote and work from home options because I could see I was a, a single mom with two children at the beginning of my career in my twenties. I was in my thirties establishing my career, so I was always looking for options that I could be able to balance work and life in a way that actually worked for me and so I'm very fortunate that now that I'm a late career professional that I have the ability to structure the work in the way that works the best for me and I think that people are no longer feeling like they have to wait until they're late career professionals to do that and that's what I think the Department of Labor my unemployment I think that's what they kind of miss and they're taking this this tack that because like I said, in my situation, they haven't even processed the claim. It's just literally saying, well, there's pending issues. The pending issue seems to be that I am not working and that I'm asking for my unemployment. And I think that, like I said, I've been a champion of working from home for a very long time. And I have been very fortunate that I have been able, I've been 100% remote, 100% of the time, for close to 12 years at this point. And I don't anticipate that changing. And so that's kind of the pushback that I was getting, like, you need to go find a job. And it's like, so, and I, and I think that, like I said, with that dinosaur mindset, a lot of times they're not even aware of how people work from home. And I don't think until COVID, I think that there were a lot of people that were very skeptical of work from home. They figured you were doing something shady or something that you weren't supposed to. I've encountered a lot of cultural biases about working from home. I've had a lot of pushback even over this past year and a half that we've been at home. I live in a large apartment complex and a lot of people were not working at all. You know, there's a lot of avenues that were allowing people to adjust and do different things because because they couldn't go out into the workforce. But I know that even in my apartment complex, we have like some of the maintenance people, Hispanic and men. 
And some of them were like middle age, but even a lot of the younger ones, I noticed where I would get them kind of like hovering around my patio during the day when I was working. I worked a great part of the COVID because like I said, I'd already been doing remote work before the lockdown. So, but I did see that there were cultural biases. My main people would kind of lurk around the house because they believe, I think um, the comment was made to one of my neighbors, she never leaves her house, but she always has money. And they saw that I would have, like, my Amazon delivered or DoorDash for lunch. And it's like there was an implication that I must be doing something bad or wrong inside of my house because I was not leaving to go to work, to go to work. I've had even that with, like, with my mother. It has been really, um, there's a spatial disconnect when I talk to her about my work, and especially like over this past year, and she might call, you know, randomly throughout the day. And again, um, with remote work, you do have a bit more flexibility. But um, like I've had conversations with my mother, who was in the workforce for many years, who reluctantly retired a few years ago, I'll call during the day and say, oh, well, what are you doing? And it's like, well, I'm working, mom. And she'll say, oh, well, I thought you didn't tell me I'm working. I have to leave my house to go somewhere to work. And it's like I actually am at work right now. Like I have my phone on. I'm talking to you. But I'm literally working from my computer and having to explain to her that I'm logging in and that I'm doing certain tasks or that I'm doing certain things. And there was a very much a spatial disconnect because she is always connected. Going to work requires leaving your house. So whether it's um, just an old, whether it's a bias based on just, you know, outdated ideas about work and the workplace and what being in the workforce actually means, whether it's those type of uh, mindsets or whether it's a cultural bias or any other type of a bias towards that type of work. Um, I've been. She's smart, sassy, and a little, a little badassy. Straight from the hip with Courtney Jones. Tune in. Tune in doing customer service for close to well a little over 30 years now literally since I was 15 years old so for about 35 years I have been in the workplace and it's again and and for most of my life I did have kind of like a double work life I had the corporate work during the day and then I also had creative work that I did I was a, uh, a spoken word artist I was a writer um, like had a studio for a while like in my early 20s so I've all always been very involved in creative aspects of work as well and doing more creative work so definitely trying to keep a balance in that and I've been able to do even more of that now because of the work the remote work that I do but I think that sometimes those biases can get in the way of creating um, work environments or creating a sense of fulfillment in work because people are very stuck in what they think work is supposed to be and so I think, though, I've been, like I said, I've been championing a work from home options for over a decade. And there have been companies like Automatic that has WordPress where they have like fully remote um, from the very beginning. Like everyone works remotely um, and, and the tools have gotten even better to do so. So people have more options for the way that they choose to work. And I think that when you've got these, like I said, especially state and government offices that are 
are so outdated in the way that they're still doing things that I think that they give kind of a pushback against that. Um, there's still companies that give a pushback. Um, there's been a huge rush to try and get people, again, like I said, bodies in seats, get people back to the office. And so I think that employer, employees can see that it's very much a, a lack of not just even empathy, but a lack of emotional intelligence that literally has companies telling employees, we don't care how you feel, we don't care about your health, and yeah, you can get a vaccine, but we don't care about how you feel about it, you need to just get back to work. Subtle and not so subtle ways, I think that, that there is a pushback from employees and that's kind of what has been the underlying kind of core of the great resignation. People realize they had options over the past two years and they're willing to take advantage of those. And so it's interesting just to see like where it's going to go now that things are opening back up um, as um, the workforce is trying to get back to business as usual. And I think that it's interesting to see how employees are maybe not so interested in business as usual and some things that have been in a, a long time in the making and in, in a need for change, whether it's in mindsets about what work is, how we do our work, um, and what's needed to do our work. I think that um, it, it's interesting to see how things change over the next year or so. Said I work remotely. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, I I have earned the right after 30 years in the workforce to work a job that works for me. And I do customer service, no matter what the job title is, um, I think that it's always customer service what I do. And I do a lot of like project coordination where your customer is not only um, your the, the customer calling in or the, or the client that you're interacting with, but also your fellow co-cooperatively co co and collaboratively with in order to really to 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 meet a a, a goal or to solve a, a a problem or to fulfill a mission or purpose and so i think that um you are kind of i always tell people like you work for yourself or i work for myself i tell people all the time i work for myself and i get paid for being me for the skills that i've acquired along the way over the past 30 years in multiple verticals um different industries so all of that together i have earned the right to Side, do if I choose to give my time, my energy, and attention, my skill sets to a company or to a task or to a job, I have earned the right to do that and to do that with a company that works for me and that I feel it's going to be a mutually beneficial uh, situation. And I think that what we saw before COVID was workers felt like they didn't have the right to ask for a job to be mutually beneficial that because we very much have had this mindset in the workforce for the past 30 40 years that it's not about you you just take a job any job because you have bills to pay and you have this and it's like and that left a lot of a uh, lack of where it's not feasible for me to do a commute. I might work a wake up some days where I might not feel well enough to get up and go do, I don't drive. So if I'm taking public transportation, the expense of a lift or something like that, fighting a commute to get to a, a job or an office where I don't really want to be, that's going to affect the quality of the work that I do. 
it's like um, the people are looking at the expenses that they put out for lunch every day or for a, a work wardrobe. It's it's very small and maybe somewhat subtle things, but people have realized that they can do things in a different way over the past two years. And I think that um, employers do themselves a disservice, though, especially those that are saying, well, we just can't find workers. And you'll see these signs and you'll see these articles where employers are very um, upset and they feel like, well, people just don't want to work. That's not true. But people do not live to work. And I think that that was driven home over the past two years. You don't, we're not, you, it should be a work-life balance. I'm giving my time, energy, and attention to work in exchange for the ability to create a life or to live a life that actually feels good to me. And when it's off balance, when the work is taking up the majority of your day, you don't feel fulfilled in it, you don't feel appreciated or respected for the work that you're doing, then it does start to feel like it's a lopsided kind of situation and that there's not a big enough payoff even in a salary and so I think that um, those type of employers um, they are it's very easy to say that people just don't want to work but I think that if you really examine that, a lot of those you'll see, like, even with, like, the, the restaurant industry, it got hit very, very hard. But at the same time, we understand that the restaurant industry, it's one, it's one industry that I've never been interested in. I, I've avoided uh, restaurants and that um, service industry like that, and I've also avoided um Retail. I I don't mind shopping, but I've always avoided retail, even in my 20s, because those were industries where the reputation is you're working very, very hard, a lot of times for a little money. That was one of the biggest turnoffs for me with the restaurant industry was with the tips. You literally, people were surviving on tips. I had one friend um, through my 20s who that was her preferred industry. She loved the, everything about the restaurant industry. She was a hostess, front office. She loved everything about the restaurant industry. But the pay was not good, and it wasn't something that she necessarily had to worry about before she had children. But it's notorious. These are industries that are low-wage, um, high-stress uh, industries, and where a lot of times the employees do not feel appreciated. And so I am was not in the least bit surprised to see that these were the industries that were struggling the hardest to bring their workforce back. And a lot of times they feel like, well, people just want more money. But I think a lot of times people want to feel more appreciated and I feel like again those are industries where servers or if you work in the restaurant industry they're not appreciated whether that's sometimes by the customers and by the employers so when you get an opportunity to step away from that and be able to breathe for a little bit you realize you know what I don't even want to go back into that I think we're seeing that there was a big push over the past like 10-15 years to really push people into these um, industries like nursing and teaching and I always tell people teaching is not for everyone especially and people always say well I love children but you gotta there's a lot more to being a teacher than just loving children and it's like so and, and you're seeing with those professions a lot of burnout um, with nurses where they're just like I just don't want to do it anymore 
and there is a high level, like I said, and, and, and the money is even better in nursing, I'm sure, than in being in the surface industry, but you're still serving people in a way that asks you to be selfless, and there's not always a lot of appreciation that's felt um, by the employee that is giving their time, their energy, and attention, and their passion to those type of positions. So I, I think that that's definitely something to reflect on from the employer's side when they're trying to get these bodies in seats. And... Um, like I said, state and government, um, a lot of times these people have been stuck in these jobs for years. They have no interest. They probably could not function in the same type of um, job when they say, well, just go out and get any job. Those are people that couldn't. And those are people that could go out and would probably not do well in other types of jobs. They're very stuck in their own type of ruts and the way that their work has been going. And they're not open-minded enough to be able to see things in a different way. Like I said, I got a lot of pushback with unemployment, um, not understanding that I do remote work, that there are plenty of remote jobs out there. But there's very much a pushback of you need to stop just looking for remote jobs and you need to go out and find a job. So there's like... We don't care about your health we don't care about your mental emotional or physical health you need to just get out there and get you a job and it's like so that type of a pushback I think that's why you're seeing people leave the workforce in droves or like I said uh, choosing to adjust their work in a way that works for them so it's just interesting to see um, what the outcome will be over the next year or two and I think that, um, like I said, with state and local government um, jobs, especially like with the unemployment, I've been saying um, the Department of Labor is biting the hand that feeds it. It's the employees. And I know that the Department of Labor focuses on employers. Those are their partners, and that's who they work with and who benefits them. But I think that the a tendency to forget the employee or pretend that, the employee's needs do not take precedence and priority over the employer or the customer. I think that being that middle ground, employees are willing to step out of the middle. And it's leaving a huge gap right now in the workforce. So um, I think that uh, employers would be would do well to take note of that. And um, would, it's just interesting to see what the outcome of that will be over the next year or two, maybe the next 18 months, just seeing how the workforce shifts.